There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 9th, 2009. I always advise newcomers to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com because on the website you'll go into that audio archive section and you can listen to lots of talks I've given in the past where I try to paint a bigger picture for you concerning the history of our times and that which has gone before to show you how it's all connected towards a particular agenda. The future is always planned ahead by those in power, otherwise they'd lose it, and they don't intend to lose it. Also look into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks, which you can download, print up, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. You know, you, you can't help but looking at the, you look at the, the occult connections, as they call it, it sounds very spooky to people and attracts a lot of people into the, the conspiracy sites or occultic sites for that which is hidden. And they tend to go off in tangents of trying to analyze symbols and so on to make sense of what they're seeing. Why did the big corporations use particular Masonic logos? Why are they Masonic logos in the first place? What do these logos mean? Who are the mainstream Masonic writers today and who are the ones of the past and you can go into their sites such as Manly P. Hall some of his old uh, videos are up on Google in fact and listen to him talking and most people can listen to these talks it's just like listening to Aldo Huxley give his speech at Berkeley the most amazing things can be said in such a, a sweet way that you miss what's actually being said. And people have often admonished me when I go into Freemasonry being involved in eugenics. But you see, if you've studied enough Freemasonry, you'll see it's all about eugenics and the laws of nature. You'll hear Manly P. Hall himself in his own words on Google talk about the laws of nature, the immutable laws of nature, how you can't break them. And what he's really referring to is not just the pollution of the planet. You remember two Manly P. Hall had benefactors who were very, very wealthy people who made their money by polluting the planet, the same as the Rockefellers tend to fund a lot of so-called, so-called, as I say, occultic societies, and none so occultic. Some of them are more open. But it's all to do with eugenics. P. Hall himself says in one of his videos on Google, what's the good of feeding someone, whether it be hungry or full in his belly, what good is he to society? They're talking about eugenics and the useless eaters. That's what they mean. The only difference is they can couch it in a very pleasant wording. And before they go into these particular topics, they'll suck you in by having you agree in the philosophical tradition of Plato, 
with certain points along the way. And once you've said yes, yes, I agree, I agree, you're brought into the next step of agreeing to automatically. That's what philosophy teaches, at least for those who study it. And the useless eater's concept is nothing new at all. All the big players who helped shape the present society we live in, the ones who hollered about eugenics and the need to sterilize the vast amount of useless eaters on the planet, the people like Huxley, Thomas, and the later Huxleys, Julian and Aldo, Bertrand Russell, all the rest of them, and those that worked at Cold Springs Harbor Project, again under a philosophical society, all to do with wiping out inferior types. Back with the moment in a moment after this break. Francis Drake, Walter Valley, John Dee, 
Bacon were all members of the Rosicrucian sect. The history itself goes back much further into what was southern France at the time when different societies broke out like the Cathars and Albigensians. The Albigensians used early Kabbalah. The Kabbalah itself wasn't really finished until about the 1500s when the last of the Zohar was added to it. But they were, they were using the amulets and the old magical Hebrew writings and talismans, etc., to entice people into them. Mystery is a great thing, as Weishaupt said, to bring in new members who work for you. And so they've always used these, these symbols, which are very enchanting. Even the drawings can be very enchanting. They pull you in, and that's what enchantment means. That's the kind of things that they use to cover themselves. And they had to do that at one time because at one time the church itself, the Catholic Church, was the only main opposition they ever had. And at that time the Catholic Church had tremendous power over life and death to do with heretics and those who were trying to subvert. Very, very old history. But as I say, they use symbols, passwords, and other techniques of communication to each other where the, where the average person can stand next to them and miss it. You never even notice anything different about it, but you, you miss the signs and the symbols. As Albert Pike said, we never speak so openly as when we do amongst the general public, meaning the public never really understand what they're hearing. You think you, under, you understand, but you're not really hearing at all. So, and that's really what the occult is, is something which is hidden, but it's a religion, which is very, very old. It's had its share of persecution because it did intend always to overthrow existing religions, as it still does today. In fact, under the present scheme of the United Nations, to be accepted as a religion of any kind, mainstream or otherwise, you have to say that and and basically give an oath to the fact that you don't have exclusive truth, that no one has exclusive truth. So if you're all-inclusive of all other religions, you will be accepted. And even that is temporary because the UN really only promotes one religion under the cover of the Baha'i faith. as I say, I'll try and find that link and maybe put it up for the end of the night if this computer is working. The computers are all out of whack today for some reason and so is Yahoo, it seems. But as I say, they've always made these great plans, great plans which they never change because it takes so many years to get the plans organized and then implemented when they come up with the idea of causing global warming or claiming global warming and blaming mankind as the enemy. Uh, they, they took a lot of financing, a lot of work, and eventually even getting courses laid out and then implemented and taught in schools to teach the young people about greening the planet, etc. It's all part of it. And when the global warming isn't working out too well, it won't matter. It won't matter if we're standing up to our necks in snow. They'll still say it's global warming and we're causing it because that's the agenda. That's how crazy it is right now. Here's an article from The Telegraph, 
March the 7th, 2009. It says, how odd that last Monday none of our media, media global warming groupies should have bothered to report what was billed to be the largest ever demonstration for civil disobedience over climate change. There was talk of hundreds of thousands of protesters converging on Washington to hear Jim Hansen, the scientist who talks of coal-fired power stations as factories of death, called yet again for all coal plants to be closed. Perhaps the lack of coverage was due to the fact that before Hansen arrived to address a forlorn group of several hundred yippies or hippies, Washington was blanketed in nearly a foot of snow. It was generally another bad week for the warmists. The Met Office, which has been one of the chief pushers of the global warming scare for 20 years, and it so has too, because of the gender, right? Had to admit that this has been Britain's coldest winter for 13 years, despite its prediction last September that the winter would be milder than average. This didn't, of course, stop it predicting that 2009 would be one of the top five warmest years on record. So they're never right, see, but it doesn't matter because the agenda takes precedence over fact, you see. U.S. climate skeptics, such as those on the WhatsApp with that website, for whom the predictions of the U.K. Met Office have become a regular source of amusement, recalled its forecast that 2007 would be the warmest year on record globally, just before global temperatures dived by nearly a full degree Celsius, cancelling out the entire net warming of the past 100 years. This is the madness we live in. I see, the facts don't matter. Even Wilder waxed the beleaguered warmest in their rhetoric our science minister, Lord Drayson, said last week he was shocked to find how many of the captains of industry he meets are climate deniers. This was the same Lord Drayson who, as our defence procurement minister, assured Parliament in 2006 that snatch Land Rovers, as the army vehicles, afforded the level of protection we need. The continuing death toll of soldiers in these unprotected vehicles approaches 40. In other words, the guy's always wrong, right? Even Drayson is outbid, however, by the groupies in The Guardian, who now suggest that people like Christopher Booker should no longer be compared to Holocaust deniers, but consigned to even more outer darkness by branding them as climate creationists, the dirtiest word they know. Meanwhile, at the University of the West of England in Bristol this weekend, a conference of eco-psychologists led by Professor are solemnly exploring the notion that climate change denial should be classified as a form of mental disorder. This is how far it's going. I actually wonder, you know, I actually think that the Soviet Union was bad enough because it was the height, the epitome of political correctness, which changed every week. Like Orwell put in his book 1984. Yet to be able to download and assimilate the new data per day, as though you'd never had data about it before, as it was all brand new to you, even though what you had before was the opposite to it. And that's what we are today. It's a form of Pavlovian madness. And since I myself am off this weekend to New York to join all the top deniers, creationists, and victims of psychic disorder at a conference organized by the Hartland Institute, it's an honor to be asked to speak alongside such luminaries as Professor Richard Lindzen of MIT, Dr. Fred Singer, founder of the U.S. Satellite Weather Forecasting Service, and the Czech President, Vaclav Klaus, not to mention those two revered climate bloggers, Stephen McIntyre of Climate Audit and Anthony Watts. I shall report on this historic event next week. So that's what you've got in this world. It's absolutely mad. It's crazy. 
that that's what's supposed to go along with. And you're called a climate denier or simply mad uh, if you don't say that it's global warming. Uh, right now, there's a storm that ripped through a good part of the Midwest and the U.S., I think all the way from Oklahoma up through Ohio and into parts of Chicago even. And it's heading up my way right now. It's a full ice storm which has brought trees down and power lines down and there's thousands of people now without any power. So it's quite the, the global warming we're going through right now indeed. And I can hear the music coming. And I'm going to go on about this after this break. on what we're cutting through the matrix just showing you how ridiculous things are becoming because big agendas have been made and they they won't fall back on them they can't go back and say they were wrong the one thing must always do at the top in all governments is to is to deny they're wrong they can never ever say they're wrong because they believe they'll lose confidence or the people lose confidence in them if they ever do and that's standard and traditional that they always cover themselves at the expense of whatever or whoever, doesn't matter. And in the last 10 years or so, we've watched so many covert operations occurring, strange things happening like 9-11, where everyone knew what was going to happen except supposedly those at the top of the U.S. presidency. I can remember when it happened and a man from MI6 in Britain talked on the BBC and said they'd warned the U.S. that this was going to happen. Everyone knew, Israel knew, except the U.S. And it just happened to be that day, of course, they were having this uh, dummy drill on the towers being hit by just such an occurrence. Then we have the same thing in Britain with the bombings, where it just happens on that same day. The bombings occurred at three different spots that practice bombings were going to happen in three, those, those very same three different spots that same day. It's the same thing over and over. And here's an article out of Ireland from Wise Up Journal by Gabriel O'Hara on the 9th of March 2009. Yet another incident corresponds with covert operations exercise from Belfast Telegraph. It just happened just 36 hours after Northern Ireland Chief Constable Sir Hugh Ord confirmed that undercover soldiers had been called in to carry out surveillance operations amid warnings that the threat against its officers and military personnel was at its highest for almost a decade. Says no one has yet claimed responsibility for the shooting, but Republicans opposed to the peace process were immediately blamed. Now, Ireland's been a Ireland's been a thorn in the side of the EU for quite some time, as you well know. And this, this, this latest shootings happened uh, at an army barracks, I think, when supposedly guys were delivering pizza. And that's where the guys came out to get it, and they, they got shot. It was a setup. But isn't it odd that they sent in special forces before it all happened? You see? It says says here looking at the past of Northern Ireland for instance it says here 
Ukraine bombers, this, this is from the 9th to the 2nd, 2008. It says, Please refuse to comment on the disclosure, which will be deeply embarrassing for Mr. Adams. This is 2008. The Sinn Féin president, this is the head of the, of the, the outer spokesman, that they always have two groups. One that does the actual work. You always pretend that there's a political party that's not attached to them. But they really speak for them, so that's the Sinn Féin. So, so Jerry Adams is the Sinn Féin president. He's been like that for years. After the sensational disclosure two years ago that one of his closest aides, or this is Sinn Féin's closest aide, also worked for MI5. Donaldson served a sentence for an IRA bombing and later was instrumental in the Republican movement's contacts with Middle Eastern groups. Donaldson was shot dead five months after he admitting working, admitted working as a double agent. Dennis Donaldson, one of the most senior figures in Sinn Féin entrusted by Jerry Adams, on 16 December 2005, senior Sinn Féin member Dennis Donaldson appeared before TV cameras in Dublin and confessed to being a British spy for 20 years. So who was running? Who was running these boys? You see what I'm getting at? Would things really happen the way it's presented to the public, like 9-11, that no one knew anything about at the top except the rest of the world's intelligence services? Or the bombings in London? And then the same things that happened in Ireland here? But it's got references here to things, other places where special forces have been involved. This is, this is from 19th of the 9th, 2008, by Lewis Shawcroft from Irish Independent. This week the BBC program revealed, a panorama revealed that the intelligence services are monitoring mobile phones calls made by the bombing team who were responsible for the Omar atrocity. One wonders why there wasn't any action taken to prevent the bombing. That's very similar to the, trade, the World Trade Tower first bombing that they had, remember? People have forgotten all about that. And some of the perpetrators were put in trial, and one of them had the savvy to tape record his FBI handler. They had handlers, these guys. And his handler got the equipment for the bomb to be made and the plans. And when it came to making it, he says, well, we're going to put a real bomb in there, surely. And the guy says, yeah, you are. That's when the guy started taping all his subsequent conversations with his handler. That was in court. That came out in court in the U.S. Came back to this one in Ireland here. Here's, here they're, they're monitoring the phone calls as a bombing team were going to their target and all right, but nobody interrupted. Why? Juxtaposed to these revelations are a report by reputable journalists in Iraq, such as Max Fuller and Robert Fisk, who've uncovered evidence that Allied forces have been directly involved in acts of terrorism for the purposes of inciting sectarian divisions between the Iraqi people. And that's a fact. They were. Remember when that happened? It's a few years ago. And they had to go in with tanks to rescue these two guys who were caught dressed like Arabs. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And I'm just pointing out some of the things that have happened in the past where covert operations have gone ahead, uh, always to blame someone else in order to get something going, you see. And I'm reading from Wise Up Journal. There's a few articles on the past about these particular operations, just some of them, because there have been many of them, where provocateurs are sent in under the guise as terrorists to get the whole ball going, get the ball rolling down the hill. The end justifies the means, you see, in high, the high intellectual circles of intelligentsia at the security services. They plan strategies, and it's always to, to fool the public. The public must never catch on. And it's got to be something grotesque and horrible, so we'll say, my God, they should do something about that, which they immediately do. They, they get the place uh, full of security men, police, and all the rest of it, and then you get searched wherever you go. That's how you control the public. Bring back to this article here from the 20th 11th, 2005, by Terry Judd and Colin Brown. Two British servicemen, this is in, in Iraq, dressed in civilian clothes, were held at Basra's main police station after the incident. Outside rioting began as the city threatened to descend into anarchy. Last night, British forces used up to 10 tanks supported by helicopters to smash through the walls of the jail and free the two British servicemen. John Reid, the Defence Secretary, later confirmed they were, black, they were back with UK forces. They were special forces. And they were found with a, a, a truck full of explosives, and they were wearing Arab costume at the time. And the whole idea was to get two sectarian groups of Iraqis fighting each other. It's quite something, isn't it? And it's even more amazing how just print it in the paper to give the official versions generally and leave it at that. Says here, have you been convinced into giving unaccountable covert branches of government more power? by the independent Rosalind Hutt Press Association, 25th of the 2nd, 2009, anti-terror fight will need privacy sacrifice. Citizens will have to sacrifice the right to privacy in the fight against terrorism, a former senior security official warned today. Sir David Omand, I've spoken about him before, the cabinet officer, former security intelligence coordinator, in a research paper on the national security strategy, Sir David wrote, Finding out other people's secrets is going to involve breaking everyday moral rules. And I read that whole report last week, I believe it was. So they cause the problem and say, look, there's chaos out there. We're going to take all your rights away and monitor you all. We're going to break every moral rule. That's what he said, everyday moral rules. Finding out other people's secrets is going to involve breaking everyday moral rules. Being able to demonstrate proper legal authorization and appropriate oversight of the use of such intrusive intelligence activity may become a major future issue for the intelligence community if the public at large is to be convinced of the desirability of such intelligence capability. So we have to be convinced as for our own good, you see, having no privacy whatsoever. Sir David said that such information may be held in national records covered by data protection legislation, but it might also be held offshore by other nations or by global companies. There's your private public uh, deal going on there. You're privatizing everything. See, the private sector, when they privatize an army or even the intelligence service, it's no longer responsible to parliaments or Congress. You see how it works? 
There's no Geneva Convention for them when it comes to torture, etc. Remember that because it's coming down soon to a place near you. Now, I'll go to the phones, and there's John from Winnipeg there. Are you there, John? Hello, John? Hello, sir? Yes. Mr. Watts? Yes, go ahead. How are you doing? Not so bad. I'm so sorry to bother There's somebody knocking at my door, but that's not going to matter here. Yeah. I just wanted to make clear that I... How are you doing, Uncle Tom? I just wanted to make clear that I find out uh, that I've been a supporter of yours for uh, a very long time and been telling people that you are a vestige of uh, something that is, is not seen today. And I'm not kissing your ass, sir. The, the bottom line is that people need to hear you, and I'm doing all I can. I'm a very poor man. You might, I'm Will from Philadelphia. Your, yes. your station owner has banned me. I've been banned from talk radio for talking about the real solution to Codex Alimentarius, and I'm, I'm crying inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you don't have to talk about Codex Alimentarius because what you talk about is so important that people need to hear it. And I'll tell you what, I spent uh, in the aggregate $1,000 promoting you. Yeah. You, you, you need to be heard. As, as far as I'm concerned, you stand alone. And it's enough kissing your butt. Uh, what I want to talk about is I just want to put out an all-points bulletin on the fact that Codex Alimentarius is coming, and it already hit Canada hardcore. No, sir? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, Canada, I just looked into some, I just did some research, and Canada, you know, Dr., you know, Ewan Cameron and stuff with the C, Canada has been hit hard with experiments. Oh, big time. Big. Yes. In fact, Canada, the Canadians were the test bed for, for all the GM food for 10 years without our knowledge. It was, and now you're getting sprayed up there. Yeah. Like, like, like madness. And now this Codex Alimentarius is coming in, and I just want to warn people that we have a, a guy named, uh, a woman who, who, from Natural Solutions Foundation, Rima Libo, who just propelled herself from a ufologist, psychologist, and hypnotist to being a natural foods uh, proprietor, and uh, she she has no history in this. And she, her husband is Doctor Stubblebein, the owner of the station. Didn't even know who Dr. Stubblebine was, and when I mentioned 9-11, he said we had bigger fish to fry. I don't agree with that. I, I'm a, I lost three people in 9-11, two of them, which Dr. were blown to smithereens mm-hmm. from, from the controlled demolition. Their body, their bone fragments were found 700 feet away, in some cases on rooftops. Now, I'm very pissed off. 9-11 will live forever. There's, there's, so for, for the owner of the station to call that, that uh, old news, and he has bigger fish to fry, makes my blood boil. Now, Remus uh, Libo and her husband, PSYOPs specialist, Dr., uh, uh, I'm sorry, Major Albert Stubblebine, are nothing but PSYOPs specialists. Well, I've heard other so, reports about that, too, though. Yes. And so listen but, to uh, that. I mean, I, personally, personally, I mean, uh, that's what I always tell people. I, I don't think you can meet anyone who's ex-CIA or ex-FBI. 
never championed anyone, Alice, Alan, I know. And, but, but you know what? You I champion. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, because um, I, mean, I read an article years ago uh, on the radio. It was from the Toronto Star to do with the, how the, the CIA even had set up Patriot stations from the 1960s on shortwave radio and how they funded sure. Christian front groups to fight communism. But to be honest with you, uh, I mean, I do know there's a lot of fakes within it. And, uh, you always make known. You yeah. always make known that it started with, it, it, it's been there for hundreds of years, they sell gold. Now, is it a coincidence that the two Patriot stations among us are, are owned, their parent companies are gold brokers? Now, GCN and RBN, in my opinion, are nothing but advanced, elaborate data gathering mechanisms. That is the bottom line. And did you say, I just want to end this on a, on a, on a uh, happy note, did you say when the shit hits the fan on Alex Pardon? I think he's gone. But, um, well, everyone has their, has their opinion. And uh, I think within shortwave radio, there's no doubt over the years, and I know who they are, uh, there's been definite infiltrators. Some were obvious. Uh, Bo Greitz was obvious. And after 9-11, after being on the shortwave radio for years, Bo Greitz came out on national television in a news interview on the congressional steps saying, and he blamed it right away on those crazy uh, patriot types that run around the forest with guns. That was the man who literally was getting the names of all the patriots out there, Colonel Bogreitz. And I taped that interview too. So they have had their fakes out there, and why not? Because that's what intelligence all is all about. Greitz himself used to say that he left the Pentagon with hip pocket orders. That's what he was talking about. But, yeah, you've you got to use your own discernment, and you have to understand, too, that um, whenever truth is getting put out, there's always going to be counterintelligence coming from somewhere else. Counterintelligence generally works very simply. It takes a lot of the facts that you have and you're, you're hearing about and you're reading about. It will, it will shout about those facts. It will even give you new facts which you've never had a hold of before. And uh, so they become the first to say it. Then they add the ridiculous into it, and you discredit the facts. So it's a very simple technique, discredit the facts by adding fantasy to it. So we'll go now to uh, Eric from Philly. You there, Eric? Hey, Alan. Texas yes. Eric from Philadelphia. Um, wow, I just have uh, so much to say to the caller, because it seems like he may... I, it's hard to even put it to words. I actually wrote some stuff down while he was speaking. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, Rima Labo, I mean, I can't really explain to someone else just simply what I feel inside myself about another person. Mm-hmm. But uh, my discernment, or whatever you want to call it, uh, she, just look at her and listen to her talk. That's all I can really say. And um, anyway... And also Alex Jones in GCN. I'm sure you're making underhanded. We'll swipe at him 
I know the G, the gold brokering is is basically a coincidence. I know. No, I wasn't swiping at Alec. I was no, swiping. No, not at, you, uh, not you. Of course, not you, Alan. Not you. Yeah. Yeah. But well, there there are there are as I say that there always have been, and what I used to notice is someone would come out with the book. He'd be around every Patriot station within two days, which meant there was coordination between all the different stations. Well, it was the same kind of character. And they come and go and come and go. But you know something? They've never, ever tried to give us solutions to anything um, except vote. Just vote for this party or that party. Well, specifically, I think, in the Patriot movement, I've noticed Alex Jones. He's been here for a long time. Anyone who's been around for a while knows Alex Jones has been going on for forever, it seems. And he's he's just an incredible man. And... He's a he. He really represents something in the movement, or whatever. I know we call it the movement, and sometimes we associate ourselves with in a group, which isn't really such a great idea, like you say. Mm-hmm. But in just the the exposition of this, yeah, this this evil reality that we live in, and he, I've noticed when I first started listening to him, he was much more. Much, you know, aggressive and everything, and genuinely just aggressive and angry. And now I've turned into a preacher, Alan, if you know, and yeah. I feel in a good in a compliment. That's right. Your anger isn't going to get us anywhere. And, um, and mind you, there's plenty to be angry about, and that's the first thing we have to contain is the anger, because there's nothing so horrendous has been done to pretty well every country in the world. I mean, the U.S. has, has been turned upside down since 9-11 upside down and it isn't finished yet it's not they're not finished with it and they will have troops on the streets shortly it's all planned this way and uh, there's plenty to be furious about Uh, and my god you just had the bankers plunder (laughs) plunder every country on the planet and be rewarded for it Um, and and this is the same establishment we we want to keep over us yes well I mean those sentiments are yeah they hit home. But uh, I, you were actually speaking before about Joe Biden. and Or actually, it wasn't Joe Biden you are speaking about, but you're speaking about the, the conflict in Iraq where they're yeah. setting up staged, you know, basically staged factions to war That's with right. each other. Well, Joe Biden, the current vice president, was actually, back in the day, I mean, around 2004, 2005, he was, um, or actually, I guess it was 2005, he was... Um, he was the main proponent of dividing Iraq into three separate factional territories. That's right. That was to be the strategy, yeah. Yes. So I was thinking of that. I was wondering why it's not happening. But In fact, you wrote a book about it, yeah. I, I was unaware of that. That's no surprise, though. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Alan, so I, I think I said what I want to say. And anyway, well, you can personally check out everything you want. I know you have a good discernment as well. So yeah. I, it just hurts me personally almost when someone would say, especially Will from Philadelphia, you know, he's from, he, he's even in the same city as, as yeah. I am, kind of weird, you know, saying these things that are so objectionable to me. But, uh. Yeah, but everybody has to see what they, what they feel, you know, and, or how they see it. And, um, and again, too, this is so deep, we often change what we think as we go along. But on what he was touching on, too, there's a lot of phonies out there 
that have been set up in the health fields and, and all the rest of it because they give us our leaders, you know. They do give us our leaders, and we tend to follow them, and, and then we, go, we follow them over the cliff. That's where they're heading. Um, it's, it's quite right with the codex thing. See, ultimately, and I've noticed this in the pharmacies here in Canada, there's many medicines that used to be bought over the shelf or on the shelf disappearing already. And uh, from bronchodilators, especially the very things you would need in a flu attack, they've all been taken off the shelves over the last three years. Uh, vitamins eventually are going to be by prescription only, including minerals as well. And we're getting, our food now is so undernourished because you can grow big potatoes by putting on the, fer, put on the fertilizers, but you're, you're not putting uh, minerals and vitamins back into the soil. So this is being set up for a future scenario. They don't want a healthy population. So I do understand uh, what's really going on here. I do understand it because why would they suddenly want to make vitamins prescription only? Hello? Am I still here, Alan? Can you hear me? Okay, I I just wanted to say specifically about Remolevo and Codex Alimentarius. I don't know what, I, I honestly don't even know what, what his or your uh, disagreement is with her because everything you're saying is exactly concurrent with what she says. She's almost, she's towing the line of good basically and I don't, I, I haven't found a single thing that I disagree with her about. So that's specifically. And I'll okay. speaking to you, Alan. Thank you so much. Sure, thanks for coming. And I'll be back after this break with more on different topics. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we got John from Ontario. There you there, John. Hello, Alan. Hello. I, uh, I, I'm 80 years old. I lived uh, through the, um, the Second World War in Holland. Yes. And uh, my idea is that if we could break away from the bankers in England and make the Federal Reserve truly American again, like before 1913. Yeah, we would be able to overcome. Yes, and is it would it be possible to to unify and inform enough American people to to uh, put this demand forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking particularly in terms of of unifying all the talk show hosts and bring this message across every day. So that, mm-hmm. so that more and more Americans will become aware that the Federal Reserve is the key issue yeah. to, to, uh, to have a possible solution. What do you think of this idea, Alan? It's po- yeah, it's possible. Again, that was suggested by Jackson, the president, the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, and he also wanted oversight committees drawn from the civilian population who would rotate. They'd be ordinary people at the bottom, not old-school tie boys who would watch over uh, the guys who are handling uh, the accounts, etc. You, you would definitely need that. It's a closed shop. You see, they always create a closed shop, and you don't know what's going on. Uh, therefore, you'd have to have civilian oversight at all times, but with different people being chosen at lots from the population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm particularly worried, of course, uh, of the uh, uh, too, many, too many Congress people 
uh, belonging to the long elk, um, yes. the Zionist side of the story. Uh, we need more uh, moral, patriotic people in the Congress. Well, the thing is, too, the problem is, uh, I always say, which, which bunch of millionaires do you want to vote for, this bunch or that bunch? Because they're all lawyers. They're, they've all been in, uh, up in business. They all know each other. They've, they've all been vetted by higher authorities. Uh, in fact, uh, Jackson also wanted to do away with the electoral board, the ones that put these guys forward. So, uh, you know, until that was done, you, you wouldn't have a chance. You'd have to start from scratch. And that, uh, that should be done, actually, yeah. You should, ordinary people from your own neighborhood, it doesn't matter who you are, what you work at, you should be allowed to go and speak for your community. That was the whole idea of, of the, the way the government was set up, to speak for your community, not for the party. So theoretically, then, um, this idea could work if yes, we get enough people on the bandwagon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's a little bit of hope I can throw out there. Uh, I kind of feel lucky I'm 80. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. It's this nightmare that's coming. I feel it exactly. Uh, in 1939, I was, uh, was 10 years old, and my uncles were talking about the coming war with Hitler and all that, and uh, I felt this thing coming over me like, a, like a, the darkest cloud in the world, yeah. and I have that same feeling today. You're right. It's tangible. It's, it's in the air. It's happening. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Alan. You're doing great work. And thanks for calling. And we've got uh, we've got uh, Jeff in Arizona. Hello, Hello Alan. Yes. Yes, I wanted to touch on the um, Albert Stubblebine uh, Rima Labo thing again. You'd be very quick because I can hear the music. Okay, very well. Um, they are totally legitimate. He has uh, exposed the Pentagon um, inconsistencies. He talks about chemtrails. They aren't well-funded. They're doing great work. They enlightened me to Codex, and uh, they have a great website. So I just okay. want to help clear the air. Okay, thanks for calling. Thank you. Well, that's the show for tonight, folks. It's been rather brief. It seems to this Russian. So from Hamish myself, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.